This week on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation, Catholic speaker, evangelist, catechist, and retreat master, Dave Denuzzo, talks about the power of fatherhood. So now, let's listen to Dave Denuzzo. Hello, everyone, and welcome out to One Body, Stewarding God's Creation here on Divine Mercy Radio. This is Dave Denuzzo. So good to be back with you again. I am really excited about this show because this show is all about me. And don't we all love things that are all about us? So before we get started in that topic that I'm so excited about, let's take it to the Lord and let's uh, invite him to be a part of this. So please join me in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, you bless us in so many ways. We pray that you would open our hearts and our minds now that the Spirit may work through us, that the call that you have for men as fathers, as husbands, as leaders, that they may embrace that call, Lord, and that any man hearing this may be invigorated, may be compelled to do what you're calling him to. And for any of the ladies who are listening, that they may know what to expect and stand up and request, require, have absolute need for man to do his role, to live it out. Lord, give us the strength, the courage, the wisdom, the prudence, all virtue, all love as you have, that we can do this, Lord. Give us the strength. Be with us in this time. Thank you so much for our blessings. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So, as you heard in the prayer, we're going to be discussing the topic of fatherhood. There are so many parts that go into fatherhood. So many aspects, so many layers. It's just a, it's such a huge, broad topic. So obviously, we're not going to get to everything, but we are going to get to some really important pieces. But before we talk about that topic of fatherhood, I'd like to talk about myself in terms of fatherhood. So for any of those of you who have heard me on the radio here uh, the last couple of shows uh, here on the One Body Show, I've been talking about authentic masculinity. I've been talking about the culture and how it affects men. I've been talking about pornography. I've been talking about our bodies as gifts to God. I've been talking about a number of things. When someone asks me to describe myself, if if they were to say, who are you? What are you all about? I would first say I am a Catholic. I would say then that I am a husband. And then I would say that I am a father. And that is really all that you need to know about me. That tells you everything. That tells you everything about me, about my priorities, about my life, about my goals, about my life. It tells you everything. So I am a very blessed man. I have a beautiful wife. Her name is Catherine. And Catherine and I together are beyond blessed to have four incredible children They are young children. The oldest is about to turn seven. We have three girls and a boy. They are unique. They are special. They are full of life. And they teach me so much about life, about being a father, about being a husband, about being a man, about being a Catholic, about being human. They teach me on a daily basis their innocence, their their goodness. It all... Uh, funnels to me and uh, to so many other people as well. But 
I am the lucky recipient that gets to see that on a daily basis. So for me, that is so special that as a father, not only do I have that responsibility to give to them, not only do I have the desire to build them up, to raise them up, to guide them, to get them to heaven, but I gain from them. And I think so often we think about fatherhood as constantly giving, constantly pouring out, and that certainly does happen. But how often do we realize, men, as fathers, how much we get in return? And I think this goes to speak a lot about the theology of the body. And that's one of the parts of this show, The One Body Stewarding God's Creation. That's one of the pieces, the theology of the body, that we have to understand and we have to grasp. We have to then apply to our lives. And as we live this out, it allows us so much freedom. The freedom to live and to be full of life. So the theology of the body, for those who may not be familiar, the theology of the body comes from a series of Wednesday audiences that John Paul II gave over a number of years, and it was compiled together in what we refer to as the theology of the body. You can read the original transcripts of the theology of the body, or TOB, as it's sometimes referred to, or there are great resources out there that take theology of the body and put it into layman's terms and make it digestible. There are even resources for children, middle school and high school, tracks, studies, videos, audio, all, all kinds of resources out there. If you are not familiar with Theology of the Body, I highly recommend it. That that, that be the next thing you spend your time doing is get a Theology of the Body book. You can get Theology of the Body for Beginners by Christopher West. If you're a married person and you want to dive into a book that has question and answer format, The Good News About Sex and Marriage is an incredible resource, also by Christopher West. You can go on to uh, the internet, type in Theology of the Body. There's the Theology of the Body Institute. There, uh, You can go on YouTube and find all kinds of videos. There's just endless resources about the Theology of the Body. So as I said, this came from St. Pope John Paul II. They were these audiences, but where he was getting this material was from a book that he wrote prior to his time as Pope, and it is called Love and Responsibility, one of my favorite books. Now, Love and Responsibility is a very philosophical book, and it took me quite a while to be able to understand it. I think about the sixth time that I tried to read it, it started to sit in, and, you know, that's humbling to be able to pick up a book and struggle through it. But there's so much in there, and I can't I certainly can't unpack all of that here. But what I will say is there's a major theme that is so vital here, and it, it comes to the topic of fatherhood very, very well. And that is that John Paul II spoke in the book, he wrote in the book about love and the opposite of love. Now, so often in our culture, you would say, tell me what the opposite of love is, and people will say, hate. But the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is use. To use someone is the exact opposite of loving them. 
So I bring that up in this topic of fatherhood because it's our responsibility as fathers to love our children. First example should be that we are loving our wives. And that's what we're going to get into here. And this idea of love versus use, I think, is so vital that we that we grasp. You know, we, we totally distort the word love in our culture. So often, you know, we hear people say, oh, I love pizza. Oh, I love my car. I love going to the football game. Well, clearly that's not the right understanding of love. The better understanding is in the Greek understanding, the, the various definitions of the words. It takes us to agape, which is this, this self-giving, sacrificial love for other. And out of everything I do is for the other. And that's fatherhood. That is fatherhood. Laying ourselves second, putting ourselves behind what's best for our kids, sacrificing out of love to do totally what's best for them with, without any doubt. That is love. That is fatherhood. Now, there is a, there's a scripture here that I want to bring out. And this, uh, this scripture, we've heard it probably before. But it, this, this, this scripture hit me recently, and I've been saying this, uh, that the concept <laughs> of what's found in this scripture verse is not rocket science. I keep saying that about this topic of masculinity. It's not rocket science, guys. It, it is plain to see. It is there. We just have to, to hold up our end of the bargain and do it. Being a man is about being a doer. It's about action. This verse comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 5. And to just set, set this up a little bit, Jesus is curing on the Sabbath. And, of course, you know, those, those around him don't care for this. And this is just before John 6, which if you know anything about Scripture, you know that this is such an important part of the scriptures for Catholics, where, where Jesus talks about himself as true food and true drink, that we eat his blood, we eat his flesh and drink his blood. And he keeps saying it over and over. The, that's the teaching behind the Eucharist and the true presence there. But this comes from John chapter 5, verse 19. And it says, Jesus answered and said to them, Amen, Amen. Okay, and just pause here. Just a little just a little note. Whenever we see or hear amen amen in scripture, it should be like, Hello, this is important, listen up. So here we go. Jesus answered and said to them, Amen amen, I say to you, a son cannot do anything on his own, but only what he sees his father doing. For what he does, his son will, will do also. Let me repeat that. This is John 5, 19. Jesus answered and said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, a son cannot do anything on his own, but only what he sees his father doing. For what he does, his son will do also. What a powerful verse. Now, if we stop and look at this, we stop and, and, and take just a second to ask ourselves, do I want my children a son or daughter, do I want my children 
to see what I'm doing and to do it? Am I confident enough in my morality, in my ethical behavior, in my integrity? Do I want my children doing everything that I do? It says, a son cannot do anything on his own, but only what he sees his father doing. That means, that means our children learn every single thing from us as fathers. This is a huge responsibility, a gigantic responsibility that we cannot take lightly. Men, if I'm convicting you here, if this scripture is convicting you, good. Now is time, now is the time to do something about it. If if this is getting to your core, if you're realizing that your actions are not something that you want your children to do, today is the day to make the change. Now, what could these things be? Well, earlier as I was preparing for this show, I was driving around and I was listening to country music as I always do. I'm a, I'm a huge country music fan. And a song came on by Rodney Atkins and it's called Watching You. And it's a song about a dad who's driving around and they're in the car and the light turns to red. He hits the brakes. He mumbles something under his breath, a four-letter word. And then he hears his son in the back say the same thing. And it goes on and he says, he says, son, where'd you learn? Where'd you learn to talk like that? And he says, I've been watching you, dad. Ain't that cool? I'm your buckaroo. I want to be like you. I eat all my food. I'm going to grow as tall as you are. We got cowboy boots. We got camo pants. Yeah, we're just alike. Hey, ain't we dad? I want to do everything you do. So I've been watching you. And the dad thinks to himself, man, I blew it. So he goes home. He goes into his barn. He bows his head and he prays hard and he says, Lord, please help me help my stupid self. So then it's later in the night and he's sucking his son in and his son hops out of bed and he gets down on his knees and he closes his eyes and he prays to God. And then he says to his son, where'd you learn to pray like that? And he says the same thing. I've been watching you, dad. Ain't that cool? I want to do everything you do. So I've been watching you now. Some people who would say that country music is uh, is just about driving around and and uh, dogs in the back of trucks and drinking beer, they might be right. But I think this song speaks perfectly to what I'm to, to the point I'm making. The child learned the bad language and maybe the anger and maybe the uh, the, the lack of uh, of temperance or whatever you want to call it from the father. But he also learned the prayer. So there's going to be a conundrum here. If we're not living right 100% of the time, our kids are going to see that. They're also going to pick up on the good things that we're doing. And so that should give us some solace. That should give us a little bit of hope. But we should never let those little times when we slip become the norm. And that should never be what we hope our children pick up on. Now, when it comes to our faith, we are the first teachers. That's what the catechism tells us, that the parents are the first teachers of the faith. I would say that this starts before any catechesis is happening, before you're opening the word with, this, with your children, 
before you're teaching them about the Mass, before you're teaching them how to pray, the first example, the first example is going to come by how the man, the husband, loves his wife, how he treats her, how he serves her. That is the first teacher. That is the first lesson. From the very youngest of ages, our children witness this. Men, if we raise our voices to our wives, if we speak down to them, if we get angry with them, if we get rough with them, if we speak to them in a condescending manner or with sarcasm, and I will say with all, to all of that, I, I'm guilty to some extent myself. And it's hard to even personally think about the, the areas that I'm lacking, uh, the areas that I'm deficient, the areas that I've let my wife down in and therefore let my children down as well. But if we don't stop and think about this, if we don't stop and take an assessment of our behavior, we're going to just continue to live on in our arrogance, in our ignorance, and in our sin. And that is too dangerous when it comes to the salvation of our children. Now, I work in, the, in my diocesan position. I'm the director of campus ministry. And I have parents very regularly come to me and say, my college-age child has left the church. What do I do? Well, not that it, there's no hope for that, for that child, for that adult child. Not that there's no hope for them, but it might be too late. We can't wait until they're adults. We can't wait until they're seniors in high school. We can't wait till they're freshmen in high school. We can't wait till they're sixth graders. From day one, from day one, men, we are called to live as a leader, to love our wives. And that, that is how they will learn to act. That is how they will learn to be virtuous. Let me take you back to the verse in John 5, 19. Jesus answered and said to them, Amen, amen, I say to you, a son cannot do anything on his own, but only what he sees his father doing. For what he does, his son will do also. Now there's also a piece here that we can utilize in talking about discipleship and in spiritual multiplication, which is what we should be doing in our lives as Catholics. We should be so convicted by the message of the cross that we are sharing that in our daily lives, in, in so many ways, simply by our actions, simply by the things we say. People know there's something different about us. First and foremost, our children. Now, our kids are going to learn from us right or wrong, good or bad. I have a saying. Everyone's heard part of the saying, and I've changed it. I've changed it to, to change our thinking. Here's the saying. If I don't do it, nobody will. We've all heard that before. And that's the uh, mantra, if you will, of the workaholic. Well, nobody else was going to do it, so I did it. Now, there's, there's merit there. There's merit there that, you know, we're getting stuff done. However, here's a, maybe a better way to look at it. If I don't do it, the devil will. So if I don't take the time to teach my children properly, the devil will. If I don't take the time to be a good example 
of what it means to be a man. The devil will. If I don't fill in the blank, the devil will. Period. It's up to us. So this is kind of a rally call in this show. Here on Divine Mercy Radio, One Body Show. This is a rally call, brothers. This is a rally call to you and to myself. I'm staring in the mirror when I'm doing this. To say our attitudes, our actions, our behaviors, our words, our prayers, they hold so much weight in the lives of our children that we cannot drop the ball. There's too much at stake. What is at stake here is the souls of our children. And we only get one shot with that. We only get one shot with that. It's also the souls of our wives. And if you're not yet married and you're listening to this show and you're a young man and you're thinking, gosh, that's a lot of responsibility, you're absolutely correct. But there is nothing more fulfilling by living out your vocation properly, by doing it with love. See, I hit this every time. Every time I'm talking about the faith, this, this concept comes up. And that is that Christ died on the cross out of love as a true servant leader. He is the example of masculinity. He is virtue. He is love. And if we as men want to know how to live, what to do, we look at that cross. We should stare at that cross every day. We should think about the pain, the agony, the weight, the anguish, and realize that that is what we're called to. Maybe not actual, physical, literal death on a cross, but we are called to that same love, that same sacrifice, that same outpouring of self. That is what we are called to as men. So yes, it's a huge responsibility, but it is so fulfilling. It is so fulfilling. There is nothing more fulfilling than that. I meet a new, uh, a newly married man. I tell him, the only thing better than what you're experiencing now as a husband is what you'll experience as a father. Don't wait. Don't wait, brother. You and your wife, don't wait. Go have children. Gosh, we so we are so quick to separate marriage and children as a vocation. Having children is not a separate vocation. The vocation is to the married life, which includes, God willing, children. I've been on this big kick about vocations because I work with young adults. I work with young adults, and I'm trying to show them that we don't want you to be young adult for long. This is a phase. This is an opportunity for you to be formed well in your young years to figure out, to discern your vocation so that you can live it out. You're not called to discernment period forever. You're called to live out your vocation forever. Living out your vocation as a married man is only partially done when the gift of children is there. That is why it's so important that we be open to life in all cases because God wants to fulfill that vocation. He's given us that call. He's laid it on our hearts. He's not going to leave us empty in that. He's going to fulfill us in that. So when I see, you know, when I see these young guys getting married, I tell them, don't wait. Don't listen to the culture. Do not listen to the culture. Our our bodies have been given to us. 
that we may reproduce. And there is nothing, nothing more important than that. Nothing more fulfilling, nothing more life-giving, nothing more fun than being a dad. It's so incredible. On that note, let's take a break. We'll be right back here on Divine Mercy Radio. Stay tuned. One body. One body. Stewarding God's creation. Welcome back to One Body Stewarding God's Creation here on Divine Mercy Radio. This is Dave Denuzzo, founder of TrueManhood.com. You know, on my website, I've written a lot about the topic that we're talking about in the show on the topic of fatherhood. I've also talked a lot about on my blog on the topic of leadership. We're going to get into more about leadership here in just a moment. But something that goes along with this is the topic of priesthood. And if we leave out the topic of priesthood in this topic of fatherhood, we could really miss some important pieces. If we understand properly what the family is, that it is the domestic church, if we have that, that strong understanding that this is an extension of God's sacrifice on the cross, Jesus laying his life down for his bride, who is the church, setting us apart so that we can have the domestic church in the home, if we understand this more fully, that who leads the church? Who leads the, the parish? The priest. Jesus was the high priest. He led the church universal. He then passes on the faith through the bishops who are priests. The bishops give their authority to the, uh, to the priest in the parish. And then the domestic church... The head of those churches is the Father. Isn't it amazing how we call both the priest of the parish and the Father the priest of the domestic church? We call them Father. Why do we call them Father? We call them Father because they are the leader. Because of the Father... They have life. The Father brings about so much. The, the Father's role here is so important. Now, whenever we talk about roles, whenever we talk about roles, there is going to undoubtedly, undoubtedly, be the confusion that somehow comes into people's minds that by saying that there are roles that we are saying that one is better than the other. By saying that men have a role and women have a role, that we are somehow saying that one is less than. That is not the Catholic belief. The Catholic belief is that men have a role and women have a role. They are different, but they are complementary. They work together. They are joined so that all of the things that God has intended for us can be lived out properly. So there's an example here that I have that 
that uh, I, I think makes sense when it comes to describing the roles of man and woman. And that is this. The sexual revolution that happened in the 60s, the 1960s, into the 1970s, kind of went away in the 80s to an extent, into the 90s to an extent, and came back in full force over the last, let's call it, 10 years. It didn't start in the 60s. It started actually in the 30s. It got worse in the 40s, and it came about in the 50s and was manifest in the 60s. Think back. Think about what happened. It was the idea of pornography. Pornography came about uh, mainstream from, we all know, Hugh Hefner, the founder of Playboy. His influence is Alfred Kinsey. Now, he was a self-appointed doctor of sexology. If you've not heard of, of Alfred Kinsey, you need to look him up so that you're educated on the topic. There's no way that we could possibly get into all of this, but he is the father of so much of the sexual revolution by his just absolutely insane thinking and philosophies, his actions, his research, if you want to even call it that. I mean, that's that would be a slap in the face to science to call what he did research. Anyway, Hugh Hefner was influenced so much by Kinsey that he wrote his senior thesis on Kinsey's work. Shortly after he graduated from college, he came up with, with Playboy and the rest is history. This got pornography in the home, delivered to the home. As soon as the sexual revolution started, somewhat in, in, in part to, to, to Playboy and pornography being available, contraceptions became more mainstream, more readily available, and culturally began to become acceptable. So pornography allows us to, to do whatever we want sexually. This is all wrapped up. So here's the, here's the progression. We had Kinsey, he influenced Hefner. Pornography comes about. When pornography comes about, it tells us that we have no responsibility. I can do whatever I want with whomever I want at any time. Knowing that there is the possibility through the sexual act of pregnancy, we're going to contracept. I don't want the responsibility. I want to not love the person. I want to use the person. See, this is theology of the body. Understanding the difference between love and use here is just key. I can then use someone. I don't want the responsibility. We're going to try to prevent pregnancy, knowing that contraceptions don't work all the time. So contraceptions are now around, but when they don't work, now we've legalized abortion, 1973. Now I have just, I'm free as a man. I have no responsibility. And because I don't have any responsibility, why be faithful? Now the influence of of divorce, you know, ready, ready-made divorce is there. So we've got pornography, we have unfaithful sexual activity, we have contraception, we have abortion, we have divorce on demand, and no wonder, no wonder our country is where it is. There is no wonder that we have the problems we have, that we are losing people in our church, 
that we have children born out of wedlock on a daily basis, that our country is going where it's going, that we have lost our virtues, that we have lost the desire to serve God as a country. There is no wonder. If you've heard a recent show that I did on the top five lies of the devil, you'll see that that's all part of what the devil is doing. That is his mission, to destroy the body, to destroy sexuality, to destroy God's plan for all of this. And at the heart of all of that is man's role. If the men said, no, I will not look at women in lust, I will not be unfaithful to my wife by looking at this pornography. I will not buy this. I will not support this. I will not allow this to be in the mail. Had we done that, had we done that as men, our role to lead, to defend, to guide, had we done that, maybe the other things wouldn't have come about. And then in terms of just sex at will, if the men would stay faithful, remain constant in the the importance of marriage, maybe we wouldn't have these problems. And then the contraception. Brothers, contraception and abortion are not a woman's issue only. Stop buying the lie. Stop accepting the falsehood that men don't have a say in the contraception and abortion discussion. To remove us absolutely destroys God's plan for sexuality, for the family, for children, for masculinity, for fatherhood. It destroys it. Brothers, there is an opportunity for us in our culture to, through love, through true charity, through the virtue of kindness, to grab a hold of what we should be doing. But it takes us to do it. So when we get into this discussion about roles, like I said before, so often it's skewed that they are now pinned against each other, that the role of man and the role of woman is somehow pinned against each other. They are not. We are equal in dignity with women. We are different in roles. There are so many incredible things that women can do that men cannot do. We cannot get pregnant. We cannot keep a baby in our belly for 10 months. You know, women get gypped on that that 10th month. 40 weeks, do the math, it's 10 months. We cannot birth a child through our body. We cannot then feed that child with our body. <laughs> the, whim, the woman can. That is so incredible. But that's not our role. There are things we can do as men that are not the woman's role. And as all of this has gotten skewed, we have the attempt at a masculine femininity. Now, I pause there because that doesn't even make sense. That's an oxymoron. We then have a feminized masculinity. And I talked about this a little bit in some previous shows. 
you should probably just go back and listen to all the shows that I've done so you can get this uh, continuation. Maybe this is the series of, of all these topics. It's It, it does. So though it, it, it plays into each other so much. These topics of masculinity, fatherhood, priesthood, the church, sexuality, contraception, abortion, divorce, atheism, being true to the faith. I mean, it is all, you know, it is all wrapped together. And this it stems from our role as men, specifically as husband and ultimately as father. That is the most important role that we can have. To have the responsibility of the souls of other human beings. To have that responsibility. I mean, it's... There's nothing more important. Nothing more important. So for me personally, I know I dropped the ball. I know that I don't always make the right decision. I know that I don't always show my kids how to pray well. I know I don't always show my kids how to love properly. I know that I don't always show my kids how to be, to have temperance in my attitude. You know, very frequently I, I get maybe upset or say things I shouldn't or, you know, a number of things. I drop the ball. But I take so much solace in understanding that each and every day I have the opportunity to be better. Not to erase what's happened, because as we read in the scripture, John five nineteen, the son does only what he, he cannot do anything without the father. I know that I can't change the things that I've already done, but I can learn from them and we can continually grow as a family. And that's, that's my responsibility. That's my responsibility as a dad. And my wife will help me with that. She will assist me because she is my helpmate. And we together will live out our roles most effectively by working together and serving our kids. I mean, this topic, I love talking about it. It's just so important. The topic of fatherhood, the topic of leadership. Now, I said we we're going to get into some leadership. I mentioned the cross. I mentioned the words servant leader. This is what Christ embodied. We know this probably best from Scripture based on the Holy Thursday washing of the feet. But if we understand more the context of even that verse, that only the slaves would wash the feet, and, and all the slave wording that's used in Scripture, that's what he's calling us to. He's calling us to be a slave to him and being a slave to, to the Father's will. And that is a hard thing to do. That is, that is difficult on so many levels and nearly impossible. But God wants our effort. He wants all that we've got. So being a leader, men, stare at that cross. Stare at the crucifix that has Jesus' tattered body, his ripped flesh, his bloody skin, his sweat, his toil, his anguish, and realize he's being a servant leader. That is what we are called to as husbands, as fathers, as men. That's what we're called to. This is extremely countercultural. The culture is telling us, you're a man. 
You get whatever you want, whenever you want, and however you want. It doesn't matter who you hurt along the way. Go out there and get it, man. Go out there and get money. Go out there and get stuff. Go out there and get women. Go out there and consume. Go out there and get drunk. Do whatever you want. Have fun. You're a man. Well, you're a male. And dogs are male too. We are called to so much more than that. That is what we call cultural manliness. That the more power, money, sex, and stuff a man has, the more manly he is. That is the lie. The more he loves, the more that a male loves, the more he serves, the more he leads, the more manly he is. The more virtue he has, the more manly he is. And that is, brothers, that is what we're striving for. That is what we need. That is what God desires from us on a daily basis. And that's, I mean, it's hard. Let's just acknowledge that. It is hard. But it is so fun. It is so, so invigorating to put it all out there. You know, we think, you know, gosh, when we're when we're kids and we're playing sports and the coach is like, leave it out there. Leave it all on the field. Then you may never get another chance. That should be our rally cry every day. Leave it out there. Every single day. This may be your last moment. How are your kids going to learn from you? How are your kids going to understand masculinity, leadership, love, service, to be a spouse? How are they going to understand that from you? Are they going to understand it properly? Have the right understanding? Are they going to be guided in the right direction because they saw you doing the right thing all the time? Are they going to be confused? Are they going to think that, well, being Catholic is not important. Going to Mass isn't important. Dad never did it. Or he did it every once in a while. Uh, prayer is not important. Dad never did it. You know, staying faithful, uh, it's not that important. Dad never did it. You know, I could look at porn. Dad did. I could, I could swear, cuss up a storm like a sailor. Dad did. I could drink too much. It's no big deal. Dad did. Or are they going to have a better example Maybe, maybe they're going to say, I have to pray today. I desire so much to pray today because that was what my father instilled in me. I want to be a servant to the world. I want to serve so many people because dad did. I want to love my spouse unendingly because that's what dad did. I want to love with an incredible heart because that's what dad did. Brothers, that's our opportunity. It's your choice. No one can make this choice for you. No one can make this choice for you. You have the opportunity now to make an impact in a place that is so important, and that is in the soul of your child. So if you have one child, or you have 12 children, or anything in between, or, or more, whatever, each and every one of those souls, if you can impact that soul, and do right by that soul, and they are able to have eternal life because they learned from you, you have done your job. So brothers, be encouraged by that. That is our hope. That is what we're, we're shooting for. Get our kids, get our spouses to heaven. That is what we're shooting for. Man, this has been fun. I hope that you're fired up. This stuff fires me up. I just love talking about it. This is Dave Denuzzo here on Divine Mercy Radio. Again, on the One Body Stewarding God's Creation Show. So good to be with you. Remember... Like Roddy Atkins talks about in the country song, I've been watching you. I want to be like you. That's what our kids are thinking. 
Let's take this home with some prayer. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for coming out. If anybody has uh, any comments, you can email those comments to comments at kvdm.org. You can find us on the Facebook page. I'd be happy to, to reach out to anybody who uh, needs help, needs suggestions, needs resources. You can find me at truemanhood.com. Again, this is Dave Denuzzo. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Dave Denuzzo signing off. True man up. Yeah.